Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome. <laughs> I'm going to regret this. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Hey, Church Planner, this is Pete Mitchell. And this is Peyton Jones. And we're just trying to figure out if Richard Simmons is alive or not. Is he alive? You know, we pretty much have like a little pre-show. But uh, yeah, I mean, I'm looking on Wikipedia. And uh, that's the fountain of all knowledge, if you didn't know that. And it's not uh, fake. Nothing's fake on Wikipedia. His name is Milton Teagle Simmons. Milton Teagle. What is a Teagle? I don't think I want to know. I gotta but, go take a teagle. That's, that's, <laughs> that's what that is. Okay, but he was born July twelfth, nineteen forty-eight. Hey, welcome to Church Planner Podcast, where we read you Wikipedia posts. He is a semi-retired semi, so he's out there somewhere now. Here's the funny thing: it says years active nineteen sixty-eight to two. 2014. So he got started when he was 20 years old. This is more than you want to know about Richard Simmons, but you didn't ask. So, uh, you know, and, and you didn't say no. So we're telling you, but it does say 2020 to the present. So apparently he was like one of those, like, like the watchman, you know, where he's this old crusty beat up superhero. And suddenly like, you know, he sees the bat signal in the sky and he's like, 2020, I must, I must return and save America. So in 2020, he's come out of hiding. He's come out of the back cave. Now I have no idea. And again, I don't think I want to know what Richard Simmons has been doing, but uh, yeah. So uh, last I knew in the nineties, he was doing deal a meal where he had a little deck of cards and you deal what you were going to eat that day. And apparently it was a nice way to lose weight and get fed. Is he alive? That's all I want to know. There is no record of his death. But then again, I would ask you, Pete, is JFK alive? Is Elvis alive? Right? Is I mean, Tupac? I does, think we, does I think we know date, the answer to all of that. A, does a date 
I mean, you know, Rich haven't and Manic you seen from better the Manic off Street dead? Preachers. Haven't you seen Better Off? No, not Better Off Dead. What was the one with uh, uh, Bruce Willis and and his wife and his mistress, and they're like drinking the potion that keeps them alive, even though their bodies are oh, falling apart. What was that's that called? A great movie. Um, oh, Death Becomes Her. Death Becomes Her. We saw Elvis was still alive, like JFK was still alive, everyone was still alive. They just could no longer, you know, be out in public because Michael of Jackson. I mean, they're all out there. They're they're hanging out in a, in a Bahamian island somewhere, and uh, they could be Pete. They could actually be uh, on Sealand. They could have retired oh, on the Principality of Sealand. No, no, Sealand's not big enough. I don't know though. We don't, we've never mined the underground depths because, you know, that tube, they could go down. I, I think, I think a short story time for Peyton. You know, you guys don't know this, but I have these crazy ideas for like short stories and they're too demented. Like I can't, that would be one is the underground world of the principality of Sealand. And I would write a story about all these guys living down there. And uh, but they're all life. dwarfs and elves and so. So one of my short stories is an epic, epic. Do, do you it's write like, short stories because you're short? This, oh, Oklahoma, Oklahoma. So the secret, the secret, I had the raddest short story idea that would make such a rad movie, but it would have to be entirely cast by dwarves or little people. So, yeah, nice. I would, uh, I, I would, it, it's, it's pretty epic, dude. It's like the island of the secret island of, of Dr. Moreau, uh, uh, the, the the Running Man. I mean, all these things come together. Oh, it's the Running Man. Epic. What a great movie! Oh, I'm telling you, it, it, like you you got to know this. Um, uh, I, I almost want to share my idea, but it's too good. Then it's out there in the world. Maybe some church planner, hard on his luck and needing money, decides to do it, and he signs that Hollywood contract, and it's all over. And I'm I'm just crying. Like that was my movie. That was my my chance at fame and fortune. And, and I think that would happen with you because I see you do that with your book stuff. It, it, it pretty, <laughs> I shared that idea with him, but I didn't get credit. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> oh, which is always funny to me because I don't have any ideas. I've never had an original idea in my life. There's nothing original that goes through my head. Well, that's the opposite for me. I, yeah, I don't think you're, you're the creative. Useful. I don't think anything useful goes. You have useful stuff, though, that goes through your head. I think I have creative things. I don't know that I have useful stuff. I just think I take action on ideas. And if you just do that, it doesn't even matter how useful the ideas are. Right. It's that action piece that generally makes things work out. But uh, so I do have a funny story to share. It's kind of related to what I've been going through, but I'm not going to give everyone the whole kit and caboodle. So, you know, the last episode we had, we weren't sure if I was going to die in surgery or not. I lived. Yeah, you lived. I think that's important to to point out. I am yeah. alive. This isn't death becomes her. But um, so I I and I don't I still don't want to get into detail with everything I had to have done because uh, they're actually not done. In fact, they were planning on uh, doing a follow up surgery this last Monday. And that got pushed off. And so now I'm really bummed. And then you gave me even more bummed information before we started the podcast. Which, I know. I know. I don't know. That's kind of bugging me. But So um, what have you been up to? Tell me how you've been. Uh, well, this is the part, this is the part I had to share. Okay. So right. 
part of what I had done is um, I had a hernia fixed. And I've had this hernia for like 20 years. It's actually uh, back in 2001, I had my gallbladder removed. And so I have like this huge incision on my chest. And I've always had like this, uh, well, I thought it was scar tissue for 20 years. I thought it was scar tissue. Hmm. And then, you know, you lose a lot of weight, right? So I've lost about 120 pounds or so. And, um, and now it like really shows, right? Because when you're really fat, it's like, eh, you know, whatever, a little bit of scar tissue. Mm. Then you lose the whole belly and it's like, wow, dude, I, I'm like freaking alien, <laughs> right? <There's, laughs> this thing's about ready to come bursting out of my chest. Like it was, it was awesome for doing that. I I'd draw on it, little oh, alien faces and, you yeah. know, push it out. It was great. It was great. Oh, dude, were you doing the whole, uh, what's that? Um, the one total recall where the dude's got the little human living out of his chest. Quaid. <laughs> I forgot about it. It's so cheesy. Quaid. Oh, man. So, um, so good. Where's Brandon Brooks when you need him? I know, right? Uh, if he's smart, he quit listening to this podcast years ago. No, he still listens. Every he once in a while listens. he does. He sends us a text message with a picture on it. Well, I texted him. You know, it's it says a lot about my relationship with him that when I find pictures from my childhood of me in like the Gamorrean guard Halloween costume, my mom epically put together, I text him. He's my go-to. It's like, Hey dude, check it like randomly. And he, he never, he never misses catching that ball. He sent me an epic stream last night of everything. So, but anyways, continue, continue on. So, um, so anyway, after the surgery, uh, I have to wear this, uh, this compression, outfit it's more than just a compression shirt because it's more like uh it's like a wrestling outfit like it's like little shorts too right yeah and it was funny because the other night i'm, I'm talking to jamie i'm like hun this compression shirt i go i kind of feel like it's false advertising because i look at myself in the mirror when i got this thing on and i look pretty good right like i'm like look at my chest i got like abs now there's no stomach at all i'm like dude, this is total false advertising. I think I'm yeah. going to wear one of these forever. And she goes, why right. do you think that lady who invented Spanx is a billionaire? And I'm like, dude, dude, I'm telling you, she was on to something. Did we invent that. I don't know. Dang. Spanx for men. What do we call I it? I wonder, sorry, I don't mean to go back to Richard Simmons, but I wonder if we could invent like a whole line of Richard Simmons things. Like, like they did with, um, Bob, uh, you got me the shirt. Why am I blanking? Bob on Ross. Name? Bob Ross. Why couldn't we do that? He's got the Afro. He's one of those like weird relics of the past, a past era of bygone days that people would like trip out on. Cause that's I what don't Bob think Ross anybody was. wants to wear a picture of Richard Simmons. Was I think Bob you're Ross? Wrong. No, you would have said the same about Bob Ross. I think you're wrong. I think, I think, I think because I'm you onto something. I, I'm not going to go into why I think, but I'm I'm pretty sure no one's going to wear a picture of Richard Simmons. I don't know. What if it said deal a meal with big exclamation What if words? it just said sweating to the oldies? Uh, did you ever see, though, the, uh, the parody that Eddie Murphy did on Saturday Night Live of Richard Simmons' show? I never watched Saturday Night Live. Oh I was a gosh. Christian, so he I, did, I didn't he did mind with that. Little Richard, the Little Richard Simmons show, and it was Little Richard played by Eddie Murphy, and he goes, "She fatty, 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 she fatty, fatty, fatty," and he's doing all the aerobics like they used to on there, and he goes, "She fatty, 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 if she stepped on your feet, she would mash your toe." Oh, dude, 
it's hilarious. If you get a chance to see it, it's worth seeing. Nice. Did you freeze up? Are you no. just stunned? Did I stun you? You stunned me. I was in <laughs> shock. Yes, it's uh, it's it is it would today not be PC because it would be considered to be fat shaming. But you know, comedy of a bygone era was such. So uh, this I'm couple at our church, who um, they got two young kids around our kids' age. And then every Sunday, our kids just go and hang out with them. And of course, we're we're anti-maskers, so we don't wear masks here at the uh, the Mitchell household, whenever possible. And um, so it turns out, the family they always hang out with, they got the Rona. Oh, I know. Wow. I'm like, wow. great. So now we got to watch and see if our kids get it. But do you do you not think? Like when you go out, like just if the possibility, you know, because I, I don't know what your views, I don't know what you brought, brought you to that. If it's, you know, not wanting to be controlled or you don't yeah, believe no, it's that's the deal or I'm, I am the guy that would wear, aren't you worried about getting it though? Well, the masks don't help. The science is really firm on that. The masks don't help at all. Yeah. The pseudoscience, this crap they're coming up with now. In fact, it's all over the CDC website. They're like, um, they have all these studies that they've published on there for years showing how masks do not help stop the spread of influenza, which is the same. I mean, it's the same size virus as coronavirus, but now because it's politically, Oh, we've got to wear masks. Now they're like changing their tune, but it's all over their website. And then they go, Oh, by the way, masks won't help with all the California wildfires, the smoke. Yeah. And it's like, okay, the smoke particles are way bigger than the coronavirus. Wait, so they they, they say that because I heard the opposite that it stops the spread. Doesn't stop you from getting it. No, it doesn't. But if stop. someone else has it, it stops from nope. them breathing it out. Nope, not at all. That's why the numbers keep going up. Everyone's wearing masks and the numbers are going up. Huh. But that's not the reason. Well, they I, blame you. They blame you. They say it's all the anti-maskers out there who don't have it. Yes. Right. Yes. It's all of us. But I mean, you know, so that's all beside the point, right? Like <laughs> I, my thing is I'm, I'm a freedom guy. So if you tell me I have to do something, I'm immediately not going to do it. Right. Cause you don't have the authority to, to dictate to me what I'm going to do. You don't have the authority to close down my business. You don't have the authority to uh, tell me I'm not essential to my kids and to my wife and that I can't earn a living and to put a roof over their head and food on the table. Well, you don't have the authority to do that. I'll I'm wear a mask. I'm a mask where I've got Eden. I, I appreciate if there's a possibility it's going to keep Eden because this, this could wipe Eden out. Hey, look, I mean, no, I, I completely. I'm not arguing with you. I'm just saying my, I, I don't, I don't feel, I'm sure your, your mind's made up. I, I can't. You know, um, it's, I'm not saying that to change you. I'm just saying like we do that. Um, but I, I do also believe that it is weird to say that that is going to stop the spread. You know, they say, oh, 90, you know, 98% of this. And so then they allow businesses to operate, but then they suddenly say, no, businesses can operate even if you follow these social distancing guidelines. I think the inconsistencies with it is what's frustrating. And, sure. you know, like I definitely, like Jonathan Ferguson's mom died of COVID, um, guy that, that you know, a missionary. Did she really? Died. Yeah, wow, she died rough. of COVID. 
with no pre-existing conditions, totally healthy tennis player, active lady. And um, where'd she live? That's that I don't know. Um, but, hey, hold on a second, man. I got to take this call. All right, all right. Welcome to the Church Planner Podcast. Indeed, where we take care of other business. More important, but uh, if you don't like it, like Pete used to say at the end of the show, you can request your money back. <laughs> Remember that old exit line? Yeah. Look, if you, if don't, you like don't like it, it, we'll give you money back. No problem. Oh, uh, so funny. And if you give us a two-star review, we're going to make fun of you on You're the You're only giving us cannon fodder. Yeah. So we're totally, totally deal with that. I remember cyber stalking people. Who is this person that gave us a two star? <laughs> but we didn't just cyber stalk him. We did it on the podcast. Well, I did because I was like, oh, he's a Biola grad. Oh, he's a failed <laughs> church planner. That's why he gave us a two star. Like, man. But, you know, the, the, the last guy did that. He came back around. I don't think he gave he us was- a two star. I think he complained about it. But I don't think he was the two-star guy. No, didn't he come? One of the guys who was two-star came back. He repented. And he came he back repented. and left a, an episode or a review later and said, I was one of the two-star reviews months ago. I've since fallen in love with this podcast. I was wrong. I've since changed my ways. <laughs> I'm just saying, look, church planner, if you're trying to hustle on on the you know the check and jive and make a, make a living on the daily grind, I'm giving you. You know, Pete used to help give you like, you know, entrepreneurial gold. I just dropped entrepreneurial gold. You could bring Richard Simmons back. I'm just saying whole product line. You could have Richard Simmons headbands for the gym. You could have Richard Simmons weight sets. You could have t-shirts. Okay, what man in his right mind is going to wear a Richard Simmons headband to the gym? Hey, 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 leg warmers. Bring back male leg warmers. That that was his. That was his. And dolphin shorts, satin silk stripy dolphin shorts with. And if you had his face, you know, kind of at the bottom, and then it was there, and then you know, and you did that. Who would wear Richard Simmons' face on their clothes? He's not Bob Ross. I don't think you understand. It's I don't not know, the same. but he's got the afro. And it's, you know, oh, he's likable. He's a happy tree. He doesn't hurt let's, anybody. Let's put a happy bird. Happy bird <laughs> in the happy tree. Oh, look at that. That's Bob Ross. That's but what we need more I of. I know, and he calms you, but, you know, Richard Simmons, he motivates and excites you. He gets you all excited. And, you know, it was funny. If you've never saw the Richard Simmons show, like, he, he, no, I won't go there. Never mind. So just, just Google I it. I know this guy. His name is Tim Paulson. <laughs> And, uh, and I remember listening to one of his, he, he, he's a great marketing guy. And, um, he did this program called, uh, Piranha Marketing with Joe Polish and, and I bought it and I was listening to it. And, and part of his story is he goes, my dad who had never, uh, been an artist or anything, wanted to learn how to paint. And he went on to become, you know, one of the guys on, public access to PBS is, is the painter. <laughs> you would always go, now he wasn't Bob Ross. He was the other guy. <laughs> That's how he had to describe his dad. Not Bob Ross. It's the other one. And I just remember thinking, I don't know who the other one is. Like Bob Ross is the no. only one. That's, no, that's it. That's the only one I could Man, ever think of. Listen, if you guys don't know, um, oh, whoa. Oh, if you guys don't know, um, through the word, 
Um, this is my constant joke with through the word because we'll have these daily huddle meetings and I'll be like, what are you going to accomplish today? And almost every time I'm like, Dude, you know what you should ask through the word? This is you. This is you, by the way. This is your influence. They go, what are you going to do? And I go, well, I'm going to do this and that pretty much anything that accomplishes my goal of crushing the Bible project. And that's just a joke, but that's so you. That is so your influence on me. I'm going to crush the Bible project. Wow, that's not really what I want to be known for. Hey, Pete's the guy who wants to crush the Bible project. Well, that's always been our sick joke. You know, like when, uh, when, yeah. whenever things, you know, other church planning things, Pete and I used to always joke, we're going to crush them. Because that's so like a non-Christian, non-ministerial viewpoint. And yet, um, we came to find out, I think, that that actually, for some people, wasn't You should ask the through the word if we could, uh, if we could, you know, do our live stream instead of on our Facebook page, on their Facebook page. Oh, gosh. Oh, man. So, Come already, on. I get more complaints, which I'm sure you can imagine listening to my recordings on Leviticus, right? Okay. Through the word, I love them to death. They're good friends of mine, ministry partners. But they give me, and I actually like it, they give me all the books that are kind of left over, like no one wanted to do First and Second Chronicles. Can't figure out why. No one wanted to do Deuteronomy. I still want to know who's doing Song of Solomon. Her hair is That's me. I'm on it now. Are you? Wested it. (laughs) That's awesome. So so like, oh, no, can't can't do Ecclesiastes. That's taken. Can't do. So all the ones that are like, where people are like, oh, heck no. I take those and I love them, right? Because once you master those books, the rest of the Bible is a breeze, right? And it, it so enhances your knowledge and understanding of Scripture. So this is one of my passions. Anyways, I'm working for them. And um, yes, I'm doing uh, Song of Solomon. But I was going to say, I get more complaints, as you could imagine, than anybody. I literally, the, whenever they go, hey, we got a complaint, I, I just brace myself. I know it's coming. <laughs> so it, it's a free service through the word, right? Yep. Do they offer them their money back? Oh, you've got a complaint. Would you like your money back? No, they they didn't. They need me then. I'll handle those complaints. You know, surprisingly, I, I get a lot of the complaints. What are they complaining Funny about? Enough. There was one time I mentioned how God... Um, uh, how he, um, how he said to, uh, leave, don't glean the edges of your vineyard so that, or your crops so that the foreigner among you can have some neat when he passes through. And so I, I wasn't trying to say like, oh, we should give free healthcare to immigrants. I wasn't saying anything political, but I just said, Hey, there's something to think about. You know, when God created government, he, told them to think about the foreigner among you um, thinking when I did it, that it would just cause people to stop and pause and weigh that in to what, you know, they're thinking. I, I literally do not, I'm not super um, uh, liberal on that. Um, obviously in the healthcare, we, we took care of tons of immigrants. Like there's the Hippocratic oath, people show up, <coughs> but um, they do not get the same care. I, I will. I mean, if you're on, uh, cover California, you're not going to get the same care as someone who pays privately. I'll tell you that right now. But um, there are levels of healthcare when you get to the hospital based on what you pay. Trust me. But um, yeah, but bucket, bottom bucket, bare minimum is what is often given 
to uh, you, you just don't turn people away when when they're dying or when you know it's just wrong. But the point is, I literally in good conscience was not making a political statement on that. I was literally just saying, "Hey, be a brand, think for yourself, and factor this in. Don't just." let someone tell you what to think, just consider this and and pray about it and think about it. What does that mean for me? What does that mean for America? Um, Obviously we're not Israel, so don't draw a direct comparison, but, um, but like on that one, I went back and listened to what I had said and there was no proviso, like what I just explained. It actually came across very much like I was saying, uh, not healthcare because healthcare didn't even come into it, Except I said recently, I was trying to show the relevance of that topic. Recently in America, we had this debate and I was just pointing to relevance of the topic that God way back, I always want people to understand God was way ahead of his time, always culturally relevant. But, um, but anyways, without boring you anymore with needless detail, I actually wrote back and said, hey, you know, I'm going to go back and correct that. So most of the time, people are right on it. Um, strangely, I know that's strange to hear me say that, right? Um, <clears throat> the other day, I had to wait like three years to get that soundbite that said <laughs> Pete was right. It it, it it takes, I mean, it was a true work of the Holy Spirit. I changed on something, the, uh, something else the other day. Like I would have absolutely gone to the mat and spilled my last drop of blood over um, an issue. I came out swinging against uh, Joseph Smith. And I had to, I had to kind of backpedal and rethink how I, how I would minister to a Mormon. Mm. Like I literally alienated and Walter Martin used to say, don't do that. Don't attack this and that and that. There's a way to talk to a Mormon. There's a way not to. And I had to go back and say, Hey, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to go back and rethink. Now what I will do is I will um, rather than, because I was making fun of, I, I, you know, my sense of humor. I said something that was, it was offensive to her and it was needlessly offensive. I could remove that. Offense. Was it, was it nearly as bad as what I said? Uh, it was on par with what you said. Yeah. Was and it to the same person? No, but, oh. but the person was saying, Hey, you know, so we met and we said, Hey, this is actually making its rounds. And, and all of us had said, hey, at times, you know, I'm, but obviously I have a certain flair. I have a dark gift. And so I listened and I thought, now I'm not going to, I'm not going to renege on the truth. And I'm definitely not going to, um, I'm not going to ever retract something that's, that's a gospel truth or a truth that needs to be said. But the way I ridiculed the Mormon faith was inappropriate. And I'm going to pull back on that. I'm not going yeah. to ridicule them because I just alienated. And the person pointed out, hey, me and a ton of my Mormon friends are listening to this. And because we're understanding the Bible and I'm thinking, well, this is great because I had to put my missionary hat on. Like Walter Martin, if you're going to talk to a Mormon, you can talk to a JW. There are certain things you never do. And I violated Walter Martin's um, proviso on how to effectively reach. So, like I said, and that, that to me in, in days past, I'd be like, Hey, you know what? Tough deal with it. That's the truth. Um, you got it. But, I, but you know, I, here, here's the interesting thing. Cause I've been thinking about this a lot lately because I'm all out of TV shows to watch. I've been watching that uh, Leah Remy Scientology show, right? Where she's constantly going after the Scientologists. And, um, 
And it, it, one of the thoughts that goes through my head is, man, this is tough to communicate with someone because we come from a position where we have these very strong beliefs and we look at certain things and we're like, this is ridiculous. Like, how could you possibly believe this X, Y, Z, whatever that belief is. But yet right. at the same time, they could look at us and go, how could you possibly believe that a man was really God and he dies on a cross and raises from the dead, right? Like, so the same thing, or, you know, even when I was having those early conversations with Wayne, he was like, a virgin, really? A virgin mm. gave birth? Come on. Like, how stupid are you to believe that? And I'm like, yeah, I could see how asinine that would sound to someone who doesn't believe what I believe. You know, it's so funny, man, because I just had this talk uh, with somebody the other day about how we get accused of magical thinking and believing things strongly without proof, um, faith. And I, I, I made the statement that the person had to agree with. And I said, you know, it's funny because people within the scientific community who often tell me that are the first to run to belief in aliens and claim, but there is proof, right? <clears throat> I saw an interview with Barack Obama and he said, I can't talk about it. There is this. The Roswell did happen. It's all conspiracy and all this stuff, this magical thinking about these beings that, that came. And I'm, I'm not even denying that aliens exist. What I'm saying is it's the same thought processes that somebody who claims science, 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 you know, uh, evidence, evidence, evidence believes and has all the faith and will argue to their death with you that this, and all they've done is translate. So often when someone takes that turn, I'll, I'll, I'll refer to aliens and they go, Oh, <laughs> well, it's, it's like, kind of yeah. it, well, it's kind of funny because, like, you even look at um, the whole theory of the universe. Okay, so uh, what did the universe come from? Nothing. Okay, seriously, like the belief is nothing. Like that's just as giant of a belief as a god created it to believe that it could come from literally nothing. Like, yeah, that's, a, that's as big of a belief. That's, right. that's just as big. <laughs> it's the same. Yeah. The The actual belief that all matter we see came out of a, an explosion from, from something the size of a molecule or an atom, which is what, that's what they believe, right? So you got to think, okay, or a square inch um, of matter. Um, that, that literally is, um, that's a pretty improbable, implausible thing that yet we know is true somehow. No right. matter what your view is of the origin, something impossible happened, you know, right? that we can't explain, but they know to be true. We should Weird. just do a show with Don Stoner. Just do like oh. a series, a 10 part Why series. don't we? Do you want to? Yeah. Okay. It's happening. I will call him up and tell him. But I'll tell you, he's got some beliefs that are that are definitely going to challenge people. Well, he does. He believes in an old earth. And well, no, I don't just even mean that. I mean, like beliefs that go beyond <laughs> that, that I've had conversations with him and I'm like, okay, that's, that's sure. That's He's still within the realm of orthodoxy, but he is extremely scientific. And I'll tell you what, he, that dude knows history like the back of his hand. I mean, 
who be like, you know, such and such Egyptian pharaoh. And this. So uh, those of you that don't know, Don Stoner, we'll introduce him and, and butter him up a bit. But he uh, he did help me. He was the guy who helped me with my textbook. But he literally, Don Stoner, helped invent the compact disc. Guy's loaded. He probably won't want me to say that when he's on. But um, he helped invent. He was on the team that invented the, the CD. And his... Um, was it his father or his grandfather that worked on the old... The Manhattan Project? Or no, yeah. it wasn't... Uh, w- w- yeah, what was the one in the desert? Yeah, they I thought up- it was the Manhattan Project. I thought yeah. that was the one. I can't remember. It was Manhattan Project where they... Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, it was a Manhattan Project. So he, his dad was a scientist, worked on that. So, I mean, Don Stoner has inherited some incredible brains. That's what I'm going to tell you. So, yeah, he's the man. <clears throat> and he debates... Like when I say debates him, he, he doesn't like go on stage and debate him. He's in constant think tanks around these topics with a group of scientists Mm. and just constantly talks and sharpens and influences. And he's, he's pretty impressive. If I I called him up from my textbook, I say, Hey Don, what are you doing? He goes, Oh, I'm just over here building a robot. (laughs) Yeah. And what he's talking about isn't some model that you get at the store. Right. Hey, he builds robots and he brought one when he worked on the textbook, he brought one over to me. He goes, I can make these in anything. I can make them into a dinosaur. I can make them. It's pretty funny. So he, he, for a while worked at Hasbro. So all of the, the electronic talking things at Hasbro, that was his, pro- he, nice. he did all those. So he'll list off, well, I did some Barbie and I did some, you know, it's pretty funny. So and that was after he's retired from the industry. He goes, I just did that for fun. So we drive up to El Segundo and work at Hasbro. He's fascinating to talk to. That's awesome. So, okay. What we're going to talk about actually we get to today, our subject? Well, 20 minutes left on the podcast. Why not? Great, Scott. It's time for this week's topic. Let's get down to the nitty gritty. <clears throat> oh, gosh, my throat. Ah, uh, you got the Rona. Well, I don't know. I can see anything. that mask didn't help point in case point in case <laughs> behave Mitchell. <laughs> so we're going to talk about the church planting. Well, it's called a, not the, it's a church planting manifesto for 21st century North America. And you who can find it? this at the sinninstitute.org. who wrote it. My good friend. Well, let me read you off these names. The drafters were Ed Stetzer, Jeff Christopherson, Daniel Yang, Dr. Sam George, Linda Burquist, Alan Hirsch, uh, Karina Ellis, D.A. Horton, Rob Hoskins, Cass Mononico, Dr. Scott Moreau, Glenn Smith, Bill Hogg, J.D. Payne, Lizette Dillinger, John Davidson, and Dahadi Lewis, my former boss. Actually, two of these guys are my former bosses. One of them is a co-host on another uh, thing. I, it's weird. I'm connected to so many of these people in weird ways. But I'm not on here, Pete. That's all I'm saying. They didn't ask me. But this thing is rad. Like, literally, it is the bomb. I, I know. You're smirking. I, I had to mention. So. Uh, I wouldn't have added anything to this, to be honest. I mean, this thing is amazing. I just, it just came to my attention with Daniel Yang. Um, and it's, it's a 12-point manifesto of what should be guiding the church planner conversation. Because church planning has been in dire need of reformation for years. I think part of the strength of our podcast, Pete, has been that we've been calling out that reformation that needs to happen within church planning circles. And certainly the textbook church plantology that's dropping in March. Um, 
which you can pre-order now on amazon.com. Cha-ching! Um, that is part of it. I mean, that it's, it's, it's a reframing of church planning. I would say it's a, uh, it's a paradigm shift of how you even think of how you define church planning to begin with. Um, that's all in there. But, um, but I want to read through these 12 points. And Pete, I know we only have uh, 18 minutes. So <laughs> we got about a minute on each. Let me, let me read them and you stop me if one resonates with you. Okay. I'll just read them off and you stop me if you're like, oh, 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 like Epstein on Welcome Back, Cotter. You ready? Uh, Epstein didn't kill himself. No, I mean Juan Epstein. Oh, okay. Yeah. Remember, remember on Welcome Back, Cotter? Did you see, did you see that, that meme on Facebook? You know how Facebook is fact checking all the memes? Isn't it kind of interesting how they don't fact check any of the Epstein's didn't kill himself memes? Oh, that's so funny. Did you see the one that's the air freshener that hangs from the rear view mirror <laughs> yes. of the car? <laughs> this air freshener didn't hang itself. <laughs> it's actually a, a, a cutout of Jeffrey Epstein as an air scent freshener. And it says, this air freshener did not hang oh, itself. Oh, it's so bad. <laughs> so bad. Man. So, uh, point one, prayer and obedience to the Holy Spirit in light of the Word of God take priority over systems and structures. Boom! That's all I got to know right there. That one right there is amazing. Prayer and obedience to the Holy Spirit in light of the Word of God take priority over systems and structures. That's just hot. Mm. (coughs) That's just one principle. There are 11 more to go, boys and girls. Church planning is both, this is number two, church planning is both the impulse and the result of multiplying disciples who hear and obey God. The book, Church Plantology, largely documents this. I spend a good deal of time actually showing that mobilization is the key. So multiplying disciples will lead to church planning. Number three, Every disciple or every believer is a disciple maker with a holy calling and vocation. So there's this call back to discipleship, which I think is going to be kind of important in the days to come. Uh, Principle four, planting contextually appropriate churches will require much innovation and risk taking. And much of this new learning will come from the church from around the world. The, the, you had me at innovation and risk taking, reaching the unreached, but the, the, the examples of which the learning comes from the church around the world is such an important point because America thinks it's got kind of the monopoly on ministry. Um, you know, the rest of the world should look to us and learn from us. And this manifesto is saying quite the opposite. And it's important. That's an important distinction. Number five. Planting churches that bear witness to the redemptive presence of the kingdom of God in the world requires a holistic engagement of the community with the whole gospel. And what's great about that is I'm hearing a little bit of Brad Briscoe, um, Leslie Newbigin come through on that. Um, Brad loves Leslie, and Brad has a lot of valuable stuff on the whole gospel, holistically bringing the kingdom of God um, into a community. And that is very important. We don't have time to go into it. That's a big one to unpack. Um, number six, multiplication. And we don't have time, by the way, because we talked too much about Richard Simmons. So blame Richard. 
Multiplication on movements require local churches taking responsibility for raising and spiritually parenting future church planting teams. Love the teams there. Uh, <clears throat> but multiplication on movements require local churches taking responsibility. So a church has to raise up teams and send them out. Number seven, biblical churches exist in various church models and sizes. Again, hashtag church plantology. I have a whole chapter about this, and I demonstrate all the different models in the New Testament and how, why they were different. And, and one of the things that um, we mentioned, because I've, I've covered some of the content from the book, Church Plantology, cha-ching, um, by basically, um, we had an episode where I said, mission determines models. And that's one of the, the church plantology principles that, um, that I lay down is the mission dictated why that church in the New Testament had that particular model. Um, eight, honor leadership from the harvest and contextualized pathways of leadership development. So uh, not really, a, a, I guess, a principle is to honor leadership from the harvest. And the way that I see that is you're not waiting for people to go through seminary. You're not waiting for people to say, I feel called to the ministry. And I dismantled that early on in the book. I know we're talking the manifesto. It's not my book, but there's just so much synergy like between what they're saying and what, what I've been saying. But um, the, the whole idea, I make a point that when someone comes to faith, I'm immediately, and I think I said this in reaching and reach, I'm immediately looking at how to funnel them into a leadership pipeline because I saw, I started seeing everybody as potential leaders that if you disciple them well, leadership emerges. That was kind of the big takeaway from reaching the unreached. They shocked me. Once you have to contextualize your thoughts and crystallize your own thinking into words, that was the major lesson that God taught me at Refuge Long Beach. Number nine, healthy communication collaboration among groups, especially at local levels, is an essential dynamic for multiplication. Um, and I thought that was really good too. I've actually got two whole chapters about that in the book, two out of 20. So 10% of my books on that very thing. Number 10, regular and ongoing evaluation of mission strategies, structures, and systems is necessary for contextually appropriate methods and models, which is a way of just saying, don't get stuck in your way of doing things. Um, needs to change. You need to analyze it. You need to assess it. You need to change it. Mobilization, number 11, mobilization for mission is rooted in a hopeful belief in the progress and future reality of God's completed work and renewal of all things. What I loved about that is that, um, uh, again, you and I talked, uh, I would say that church planning, the, the apostle who specializes in church planning, um, he or she is um, when he says it's a rooted in a hopeful belief in the progress and future reality of God's completed work and renewal of all things, that that is the eschatological drive of a church planner, that the kingdom of God is coming and the church planner sees themselves as part of ushering the kingdom of God, bringing the kingdom of God's presence there. So it's an eschatological drive, meaning that one day the kingdom will be established on earth and the church planner is caught up in that process. And that's kind of what that's saying. Um, 
You're, you're, so it's eschatologically driven. That's that's what apostles are. And I, I mentioned that each of the five uh, roles, it's just amazing to me because I, I, I didn't put my fingers on this. I didn't, but like two works independent of each other, we've come out believing. That's why when I read this, I was like, dude, this thing is exactly what I'm, what I'm getting across in church plantology. I don't know when this came out. But they were I've, able to do it in a few pages, whereas you took like a thousand. Yeah. Yeah, no, I took 800, cut it down to 400, but, um, but whereas this is a manifesto, um, this, you know, it's, uh, it's like a statement, you know, it's a statement that this is how we will operate. Whereas, uh, church plantology shows you how it's very practical men and women leading it's theological and practical. Men and women leading in mission, this is number 12, men and women leading in mission from different racial, ethnic, and socioeconomic backgrounds <coughs> is a demonstration of the power of the gospel. And that's kind of goes back to exponentials theme, which has been together, um, you know, this kingdom collaboration that's necessary, which I think exponentials done a really good job over the past um, six months that I've been there. No, I'm teasing. Um, I'm really impressed with exponential. Um, they they have really, I think, spirit led um, doubled down on this um, during their 2020 theme, but it, they keep unpacking it with all the civil unrest and ethnic tensions. They really went into this and, uh, that's been one of the major projects I did with them. But I mean, these, these 12 principles, Pete, this is it, man. If you embrace these planners, you would, uh, you wouldn't go far wrong. I mean, these are super good. You can download this, by the way, go to sendinstitute.org. Um, you'll see it <clears throat> or just Google um, church planning manifesto. It's very, very, uh, I think relevant, important. Um, I, I, I hope that everybody embraces this. Um, I hope that people start operating by it. It's pretty dang cool. So that's what I have to say about that. Tim Keller's, so initial endorsers would be uh, Drew Hyun, Tim Keller, Jesse Crookshank, Dave Ferguson, um, Daniel M., uh, Todd Wilson, uh, my former boss, um, Craig Ott, which Craig Ott, by the way, um, Otten Wilson wrote a book on church planning called Global Church Planning. I, that book was so good that when I kept referring back to it when I was prepping, I hadn't read it before I started writing my book. I was like, I don't even need to write my book. This book is so good. So, but um, hey, Doctor, I'm going to write mine anyway. But hey, I got a contract and I need to fit. No, literally, I like humbly, I will say that book was so good that I almost sat back and said, why? I, I did. I sat back and said, why am I, why am I even writing? This book is so good. It's kind of like they said what needed to be said, but it's not that well known, but it's called uh, Global Church Planning by Dr. Craig Ott and Wilson. I think it's the best existing resource out there, um, period. Uh, I, I won't say mine is, I, I just will say that book was amazing. Um, Winfield Bevins, love Winfield, love me a little little bit of Winfield. Lynn Tang, director of Fuller Seminary Church Planning. Michael Gatlin, um, uh, he's the um, uh, church planning director for Vineyard. So it's an all-star cast there coming in. Bob Roberts, nice. yeah, it's a good cast. Bob Ross, what? <laughs> Bob Roberts Jr. 
Bob so. Roberts. Someone yeah. literally named their kid Robert Roberts. Yeah. Yeah. Jeff wow. Vanderstelt endorsed it. I mean, there's a ton of people on it, but you know, you would endorse this. I mean, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of a, why wouldn't you, why would you say no? You know, but, um, but anyways, yeah. That's cool. I Peyton think. Jones did not endorse it, but that is because Peyton Jones was not asked to endorse it. Are you, are you feeling a little bit like, you know, am I not part of the inner circle? <laughs> well, um, perhaps there's some of it, but you know, it may be Southern Baptist primarily. I don't know. I mean, not all these guys are S- Southern Baptist, but yeah, no, I wasn't asked. So I, I didn't. Endorse I still think it's funny, man, that when I, when I see pictures of, of us from years ago, how much darker your soul patch was and now how white it is. It's weird in it. You and I have traveled a long distance together. It doesn't seem like we've known each other that long, but when I see those pictures, I'm like, man, I had red hair. I had a red goatee. Now I got this white soul patch. You know, it's so funny, man, because there's not many people in the world where Andrew's like, you need to always keep that friendship. And my friendship with you is one of those where even where like things got tense with you and I, my tendency, and this is terrible about me, is to cut people off. Oh, yeah. And, and me too. And Andrea has always said, there's been a couple of times over the years where Pete and I have, we've had, but they're not that bad. I mean, our things were stupid. And, and no, I honestly like, remember one of them. Uh, I, I think there was a little bit of, uh, I think, yeah, I, don't, I gotta can speak frankly. I you can speak the, frankly. I think the, uh, is it my ego? I think the enemy was trying to split us up. Yeah. There was one of those and there was a time where it was my ego. I was just tripping out the other day where you sent that newsletter. Oh yeah. I I got really upset and I was laughing at myself the other day. I was doing something. I was like, Oh, I've so moved on from that. Like Pete could do that now. It wouldn't even bother me. You know what I mean? I can't remember what it was, but I remember why you were upset. (laughs) I don't remember what, what I was saying about it but, in the newsletter. But I was going to say, you know, and, Andrew is like, oh, you know, um, uh, she was like, you know, uh, multiple times over the years, she's been like, yeah, there's one friend you need to always keep no matter what, you know. She'll, and, she'll uh, change your tune. Give her enough time. She'll I don't think tune. Jamie says that, though, right, about me. Is she like, that's the friendship you need to give up? I, I don't. I think Jamie's like, do you have any friends? I don't think she really <laughs> looks at me as a person who knows anybody. That's so funny. My friends are all virtual. Like literally, when was the last time we saw each other face to face? Right. Right. O- over a year? Yeah, it's been a, a while. Well, d- you did shun me on Thanksgiving, let's be honest. Hey, I didn't want to give you parvo. I I'm a human. I didn't want you to take <laughs> but it back to your But now that I know dogs. you're an anti-masker, I'm like, oh, Pete, I can't hang out with you. All right? So. Yeah. No, I'm an anti-masker. <laughs> that's that's a well, fair statement. Our, our friendship will continue to. But what's funny to me is, and people have asked me this, I go, you don't understand. I am the guy that would love to wear a mask. So no one knew where who the heck I was everywhere I went. That's but so the right. second you tell me I have to wear one, I'm not going to wear one. <laughs> that's so funny. That's so my well, personality. Hey man, look, uh, I would, uh, I know we're, we're devolving back into, to smack talk, but, um, any, any thoughts on the, uh, manifesto there, Pete? I want to hear the, the Dean Martin to my Jerry Lewis um, take on this. I would just like to say that I was the original person who wrote the bivocational pastor's manifesto. Yeah. 
uh, originally named the uh, Church Planter Manifesto. Nice. So I just like to say I was the first. But, uh, you know, but mine was all about here's how you make money as a bivocational pastor. I know. I, I kind of think we ought to re rethink that and go back to it and resurrect it. I yeah. actually, I actually, uh, I wouldn't mind going back into that again. I'm, I'm working hard on some courses, brother. I, I just, know. so for those of you that don't know, um, I, I literally was holding down two jobs at one time. Um, I have officially, uh, I'm still with exponential in the sense that I'm, I'm running a show, the frontline show on, on Mondays, which is a like webinars video. You can go to exponential.org, join the hub and join that. But I was going to say that um, I have stepped away from content director role um, to work with through the word, but um, there was a little bit of overlap. But what, what I will say is I can't just do like, I'll always as a hobby be building courses and I'm building, I'm building, I'm going for, I'm going for courses. They will not be called jump school. <laughs> I do not believe it. I still remember you and I were having a heart to heart. And this was like the fifth thing you were going to call jump school. And then at the end of it, you're like, yeah, but I'm still going to call it jump school. And I'm like, that, I give up. I give up. You know, I know, I know. So, but Hey, I got to go. I got to go. I got to get off and uh, I got to end our little soiree in the world of church planning. But, well, let me uh, ask you real quick before you, before you get off and go, um, how do you deal with all this, uh, this, you know, manifesto business in these 12 how do you how do you do that and still take care of irs compliancy uh workman's comp um all the payroll stuff that you got to do and run in a church how do you do all that well you know pete it's funny because you know i have actually you know trying to juggle 12 principles at one time uh according to the church planning manifesto does not allocate, does not allow, does not create the margin as you could imagine to do all my bookkeeping and IRS compliance. And I would need a 13th arm, Pete, to, but luckily there is such a thing. And it's called, oh yes, Pete, it is called, I had to think about it for a second. Wait, wait, wait. Do you remember (laughs) when we were at Saddleback and I like asked them if they had some hot sauce and they're like, no. And I go, what? You did? You lost it. Oh, did I really? You totally lost it. Was that in that. our meeting with uh, Steve Shogren? I, not it, Steve Shogren to, it was either that or one of the one Steve of the Gladden? exponentials, or something. I don't know why we oh, were okay. there. Were, were we? It wasn't the meeting where your Tom Tom went off. Well, it, it was in their their cafe area. The little we were oh. buying food or something. Like milk come out my nose, kind of laughter. Yeah, you like because it was all from that. Uh, that that Mormon, not Mormon, um, Seventh Day Adventist. Hey, uh, we're a Seventh Day Adventist. We believe oh, everything you Methodists believe, <laughs> except we go to church on Saturday. Doing, doing, doing. Oh man, so good. I can still quote Flanders, the Flanders soundbite that we had on here. I can quote that verbatim. And Love I it. did so the other day with some friends. We should actually tell everyone how you handle all that stuff. Oh, should, you know, I handle it on top of uh, all of our um, sound bites, managing those and these 12 principles of the church planning manifesto. Uh, we go to simplifychurch.com and they help us deal with all of our IRS bookkeeping and um, payroll needs. 
Nice. Simplified and we church. go to simplifiedchurch.com. Simplifiedchurch.com. And they'll set you up. Tell them Pete and Peyton sent you so they keep sponsoring us. That would be rad. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. I don't well, think cool, they're man. going anywhere, Pete. They would have quit us by now. No, he just hired me to help him out with some more marketing stuff. So Yeah, he called me the other day and he's like, I can't quit you, Peyton Jones. No, he didn't say that, but uh, that's from a chick flick. You wouldn't know that. I know what that's from. And we just were talking about Richard Simmons. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know where your head's at in this episode. That's all Dude, I'm saying. All I can tell you is I dug a 120 foot trench. So I am well up on my man points. That's all I'm saying. So they slipping fast. It's slipping brother. I, you know, it's, it's my feminine side crying out for attention after doing such manly things. But anyway, <laughs> A part of me just likes making you uncomfortable. It's this a really so good thing that we have our emails go directly to the trash and spam so that way we don't have to deal with all the people who are complaining about our podcast. I dig it. Well, guys, hopefully you dug this episode. This has been Peyton. And by the way, we, yes, we were over on Smack Talk. I think we just did 10 minutes of church planning today. It was probably a a, a record. It's not so much about the quantity as it is the quality. Ooh, we gave like 10 that. minutes of quality church. Planning. We gave you 10 minutes of 12 principles to get your life sorted by. Come on, go sort yourself out. Thanks for joining us today. Join us again next week for the Church Planter Podcast. This has been Peyton Jones and Pete Mitchell reminding you if you want to reach the ones nobody's reaching, you got to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. Church Planner Magazine.